Hello and welcome to the Dice Breaker Podcast. It's a Friday. We're back. It's another Friday. It's two o'clock, unless you're listening to this in the future, in which case it's whatever time is on the clock right now. Mm. Uh, welcome. Uh, I'm Matt Jarvis. Uh, I am the host of this here podcast. I am joined this week by two of the team. Well, one of the team and one of the the extended family team. Um, yeah. But of course, as much as much a member of the the Dice Break team as anyone else, uh, Alex Meehan, First of all, how are you doing this week? Yeah, I'm I'm the member of the inner family. <laughs> the inner circle. Yeah, uh, although I I do consider myself more of an aunt or your yeah, you child. Got big aunt energy, yeah. It's one or the other. It You're the aunt on that my parents don't it. allow me to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm the one who brings over the sunny D. <laughs> do they make Sunny D anymore? Do they give away I, free basketballs anymore? Uh, if someone knows, please write in. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't because it's illegal to put that much sugar in like a drink. <laughs> which is why it still exists in the States. Yes, mm. uh, and speaking of which, uh, our, our, our man in Texas, Chase Carr, hello, yeah. how are you doing? Good, sugared up on all that Sunny D. Yeah, it still comes in like gallon jugs in the oh, grocery whoa. store shelves. Mm-hmm. Big Today old plastic I... containers. I learned about a soft drink called Fago. Oh, Fago, yeah. Isn't oh, this boy. an insane clown posse thing? Uh, yeah, and I can't, I honestly can't tell you if that is because we're, we are immediately digressing. Uh, I cannot tell you if that is because of the insane clown posse or if that's because of Homestuck. Uh, See, yeah, I know about it because I watched a two hour long video about Homestuck, uh-huh, which yeah. I previously knew absolutely nothing about but had heard of through the bowels of the internet but now i know of it far too much about it and i'm yeah, quite happy that i was Fe- not fago might as well just be sunny d plus carbonation for like all the sugar and taste it imparts mm. and the interesting colorings like i've never i've never drunk a blue drink in my life i've never been- You've never, you never had so. a panda pop as a kid or like a, a mountain, well, no, not mountain dew, uh, that's green. What's the Oh um, no, Powerade? hang Powerade? on. I, I rescind my statement. Uh, back in secondary school, and this is wild that they allowed this, we used to be able to buy like Powerade from the canteen. And the idea of like 12 year old children like drinking mm. Powerade and then going to classes. It's just, who allowed this? <laughs> no wonder. <laughs> off this, off, bouncing off the walls, though. Uh, yeah. I Well, I think, like, I don't know if it was similar for you both, because uh, I was I was part of like the goth and emo crew uh, that would sit <laughs> under the stairs near the art block, mm-hmm. uh, and they would drink like monster energy drinks in place of like, alcohol basically it was like it was the hey you're mm. in the you're in the cool crew now because you're just yeah. getting all the sugar in you um, yeah yeah and i can't look at them now and not just associate any monster energy drink uh other energy drinks or anyone uh, with that very specific time of my life yeah no we we had powerade we didn't have monster energy yeah but like it was considered to be cool if you drank like Powerade. Yeah. Um, Every time I, I look think... at a, a monster, I just see hear like the faint tinny noise of Hawthorne Heights playing from a mobile phone speaker. <laughs> just ancient queens <laughs> with more taurine in their blood than oxygen. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't part of any subculture when I grew up. I I, I wasn't part of. Oh, you were a normie. 
I don't. I wasn't even that though. I was just. I my mo was. I listened to Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> okay. No, I know exactly. Yeah, I know and exactly I, where you fit into the <laughs> like the school <laughs> system of cult- like subcultures. Uh, and I I played on a GameCube, and that was that was my thing. Like. Um, I, I wasn't part of any subculture. I almost made my own subculture, but I was the only one in it. So <laughs> that's a good place to be. Uh, <laughs> if you if you couldn't tell, we're here to chat about board games. Yeah. Uh, and tabletop games, that's what we do. Uh, mm-hmm. it's what this podcast is about, believe it or not. Uh ostensibly, yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, what's the norm what's the normie of the, the board game world? Is it just Catan? Catan. Is it Monopoly? Yeah, it's Catan. No, no, I feel like Monopoly is the corporate like business person. Yeah, it's like it's the normies like parent coming home from work uh, and telling mm. them to you know turn that damn racket down. Yeah, Catan is the normie of the board game world. Like, yeah, Monopoly is the yuppie of the board game world. Like, oh so yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, offers a business card to everyone it meets. Uh, all right, excellent. Well, now that we have we've solved the insulted the, the unanswered questions of uh, the board game world, uh, we can dive into what we've been doing this week, and let's do so by turning to Chase first. What have you been up to? And in fact, what have you been up to since your last on the podcast, which oh have been the end of last year? It's been a, a few weeks since we last had you on. Yeah, uh, I will say that I had um, a nice little break. The whole, you know, the whole Dicebreaker team went on a nice holiday, uh, which, you know, coming from the U.S. uh, was unexpected, but really nice. Um, I didn't do much anything at all. We had a couple of big cold fronts come through Texas, which I, after last year, uh, we had like a big, like, just sort of like infrastructure breaking freeze. So I'm sort of like, I had this instinctual... Yeah, we. I, I have this instinctual that. cringe at any time the weather drops below about thirty Fahrenheit, which is close to zero Celsius. I, I'll be honest, I'm not sure how that works. Um, but yeah, anytime the weather dips, I get really uh, uh, sort of nervous. And we had a few of those over the break, but otherwise, mm, had a lot of fires in the fireplace. Played a lot of video games. Uh, drink just more eggnog than I think any one person should. Uh, but that's the holidays. It was nice and relaxing. So what I've been playing this week, I haven't been playing per se, but sort of like preparing to play the Root RPG. I got Ooh. the books, which uh, um, like the two core books, which is like one has like all the rules. And then the second expands it with a few uh, a few other factions as well. Some like expanded rules and stuff like that. It's called Travelers and Outcasts, I believe, is the second book. So I've been reading up on that. And it's really interesting. It is, uh, so for those who are not familiar, it is Magpie Games, like RPG take on leader games root, like taking that board game and turning it into an RPG, which is a weird task. I'm not sure, I meant to look this up. I can't imagine any other board games that have become RPGs in this way. We're seeing seeing Tales from the Loop be the board game now, but... Yeah, and even uh, that was an art book first, so sure. it kind yeah. of yeah for for a board game initially. I guess there was there was the Netrunner book for Genesis, yeah, the Fancy Flight put out, um, which of course then they well it was Android I suppose rather than Netrunner specifically, right? So kind I mean, kind of there, but not in like you say not in the same way at all. Supposedly, there's a zombie side role playing game. We were talking about that's this the other right. Day, yeah, there we? is, isn't there? But 
you were like, I remember covering it back when it was announced, but uh, apparently it's just been released and none of us noticed. Yeah, it just so... kind of completely flew under the radar. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, so many games just seem to like just whisper out because there's no PR sort of device in place to like help these games get any sort of advertising or anything once they're out. Um, mm. But the root RPG, like, so I came at this like really interested in how you take root which is a fairly involved board game obviously like listeners of the podcast will be familiar with uh <laughs> alex and matt sort of travails uh playing root uh trying to one-up each other um it does a really interesting job by focusing on the vagabond like the players are vagabonds right and in fact like y'all have played this last year so like y'all can go after you listen to the podcast go and watch this on youtube um you'll have like a short playthrough of the quick play so the players are vagabonds which are like the little critters who like aren't aren't associated with any one faction just sort of like travel around the woods doing tasks trading all that sort of stuff so you're kind of the players are positioned in this sort of robin hood space where you are freelancers uh mercenary types uh um who can be hired by any one of the factions to like do whatever um there is it's it's magpie so obviously it's powered by the apocalypse so it's sort of fiction forward the the gameplay leads to triggering moves which gives you some dice to roll which helps the fiction travel forward that whole thing it's what magpie's known for it's what they do best it's you see it in all their other games from you know avatar legends to um masks and all the other games that they do what is interesting about uh the root rpg is its focus on the vagabonds being political creatures like they are inherently tied to these factions, even if they don't work for them directly, they have to take jobs for them in order to like earn a living in order to survive. And in doing so, they will earn enmity or praise with that faction and their like sort of reputation will go one way or another, which gives you access one to other moves that you can do in social situations like you can go to like the Marquise de Cat and say like, hey, I need some resources and like use your reputation to get the Marquise de Cat just fork over some goods. Um, or you might walk into a clearing and the Eerie, who hates you, sees you and immediately attacks on sight, which kind of changes the way that the game plays. But um, I really like the way that like all of the adventures are set around you navigating the inherently political space of the woodlands as it changes. And everything that you do is going to very slightly slip, slip those scales of balance one way or another and you kind of walk the the like the knife's edge of making sure that you can continue to make a living without throwing the 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 woodlands into like full revolt or like leading to all out war unless that is what you want to do so i think it does a really nice job of like framing the adventures that you could tell like it is not a sort of like dnd-esque uh, or like fifth edition-esque like you are adventurers go and do whatever you want it's like no anything you do is going to affect the lives of the denizens in the woodlands and it's going to either give one faction more uh space to sort of exert their influence or take away another's which is going to affect how they treat you so i think by framing it with by the way that you operate between all of the factions gives this really cool underpinning to all of the uh all of the adventures and all the stories that you could tell and the second book does a really nice job of giving the uh the game master a sort of like faction turn 
where there are very explicit and sort of like advanced rules for like what happens in between sessions, all of the factions sort of have actions that they can do where they'll move into a clearing. And if they say, if say the Marquise de Cat runs into the Woodland Alliance, they will take certain actions. Um, if the underground duchy runs into the lizard cult, they will take certain actions. And so without the players really noticing session to session, the woodland will change how the factions are interacting will change based on their actions, but not through their direct intervention. So it's really, it really sells that sort of like, I am living in a space, we are operating in a space that is changing by the day, by the minute, uh, and we just have to survive it. Yeah, which is cool, because that's that's exactly how the Vagabond works in the board game, right? Is that you mm -hmm. have relationships with those factions, and it was always in interesting when they first announced it, because the Vagabond is basically like playing a small adventure game in amongst everyone else fighting. So yeah. you're acquiring items, you're literally completing quests, um, so when they announced it and said that you would just play as a vagabond, which is you can be like a badger, you can be a raccoon, it's not tied down to one specific, like for instance, the airy being birds, you're not yeah. tied to a specific species in the same way. Um, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Have you gone through the rules where it then uses the board from the board game as well? Because that was the other thing that really <laughs> kind of stuck out as yeah like, oh that's like wild i don't i don't know another i guess because there aren't a lot of board game rpgs going but mm -hmm. i don't know another rpg that just wraps the actual board game into it as well yeah so uh it, it's interesting so you will use the board not in sort of like a 4x strategy game sort of way where you're always looking at the board and your moves are going to make little like meeples move around the board it's more of a sort of just like tactical view a secondary tactical view that you can use to like track how things are changing because like on the ground minute to minute play is going to be you interacting with other people you're going to be interacting with representatives of factions or you're going to go talk to the mayor of this clearing or meet up with like other vagabonds that are like adventuring through the woods so the board game will really be used as a sort of like maybe in between sessions or like at the beginning or end of sessions for the game master to show the group how things have changed politically from a sort of like miles up view uh, that's still cool. I still think that's really neat how you can like use the board game in that way. They also say you can just track it on a piece of paper and just draw circles and lines that connect all of that. But I think it would really sell. I mean, obviously, like, what's the help me with the name of the artist? I can't draw it. Kyle Farron. Kyle Farron. Yeah, Kyle Farron. I mean, Kyle Farron's artwork is fantastic. It's selling the whole sort of like look and feel of Root. And um, the rule books have a bunch of his art throughout, which is really nice. So if you do want to use the board game, I think that'd be really cool and it'd help really sell that as like, it's almost like a like a general at a war map using like the big long stick to like push some units across the board into one clearing or another. Um, it would probably be even especially effective if for whatever reason, by your actions, a clearing gets raised to the ground, you know? Mm. Uh, which can happen. You can mm. do something and either unintentionally or intentionally, that clearing is just decimated, just gone. And so I think it'd be really cool to just sort of like move all the figures out of there and plop like a big X down on the board, be like, this place is just evaporated. You can no I longer mean, come here. In the board game, the Woodland Alliance regularly do that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> like they they have a they literally have a mechanic where it clears all the the other pieces off the board. Or at least that part, that clearing on the board, and then puts their own pieces in place. So um, one thing I find really interesting about the root RPG and the fact that it does exist is the fact that if you were to ask me if there was any other board game that would make a really good role-playing game 
you know, transition to a role-playing game. Aside from my own bias about Root, <laughs> like Root is like one of those ones that I would say no, that would really work because yeah. and I've actually talked about this in the path um, about how Root has such storytelling potential in it because the factions like the way that they work is fundamentally tied into their their own sort of um what's the word like traits and you know yeah. themes so like the airy are naturally full of themselves so they don't trade for example because you know and also because they're they're so politically you know, um, there's a lot of upheaval in the Eerie, and mm -hmm. that's kind of how revolts work, because <laughs> they are constantly switching leaders, um, that's partly why they are under threat from the cats, because they are so, there's so much turmoil yeah. within their own ranks that that allows the Marquis de Cat to kind of muscle in a lot more onto the, the forest, despite the fact that the Eerie kind of ruled the roost, quite literally, before you know, the Marquise de Cat came in and then whereas the Marquise de Cat is just incredibly hungry, like the ambition mm -hmm. behind the Marquise and that feeds into how, you know, they they operate. So I Root always felt like a game that was also driven by storytelling aspects as well as all the mechanics. Uh, so the fact that the player in the Root RPG is a vagabond, I think is such a good choice because then it still allows them to interact with all yeah. the different factions. Because let's face it, the Vagabond faction is, was never the most interesting, in my opinion, anyway. At least in terms of, like, mechanically speaking, not necessarily. Because the different types of Vagabonds you can play keep things fresh and exciting. But, like, thematically speaking, to me, the Vagabonds were always the, the least interesting faction. Because there's not really anything particularly about them apart from the fact that they are neutral and they're yeah. kind of in it for themselves and it's possible that their biggest alliance is with the woodland alliance because they're both kind of like outsiders but like having the players occupy that space makes so much sense because it allows them to kind of imprint their specific ideas and you know like traits into this faction and then yeah. still interact with all of those really fun and interesting factions that you know have very distinct uh traits and ideas about them yeah i will say like uh uh i think it's it's really nice that the the vagabonds are the focus because like like you said like mechanically it's sort of like heads up like very high up like root the board game does have this a lot of storytelling potential and the strength of the rpg in reading through seems to be like you were looking at how this affects individuals, right? You're looking at how this affects like the blacksmith in a clearing because the Marquise de Cat and the Erie have been fighting for years over control of this faction. It's like, yeah, I'm rich, but they keep burning down my house. Um, it's it sort of thing. And the book goes to great lengths to paint as much as possible all of the factions as like politically gray. Like even the yeah. wood, which which is a could be a big pitfall, right? Like the Woodland Alliance is a revolutionary faction they want to push all of these other sort of like co colonizing powers and you could argue like the eerie has been like a, a sort of like colonizing power for years going back um they want to push them out and like sort of like you know 
like revolt, but their means are sort of inherently violent. They are doing so yeah. by raising through, which you you can be a conscientious objector to violence, like peace through violence sort of stuff. And I think like it's really interesting that they use the vagabonds and the player's perspective through the vagabonds to interrogate that. And you can choose which factions you want to bring in. So if your your group is like, I'm really interested in like what the Erie is doing, like how does the Erie react to the Marquise de Cat moving in? You can set it up that y'all are starting out with a little bit of faction um, with the Erie, and you can work to sort of see how that how that happens, boots on the ground. Um, so I think that's a that is a really cool way that they have sort of sidestepped. I think what is a pitfall of political grayness, uh, which could just be a sort of like we're going to just like not make a choice here, but instead they're giving the players the choice to be like, oh, we are we are interacting with this faction, and we think that they're just abhorrent now after we've mm. uh, talked with them for a bit. Because I mean, like, like the Eerie, for example, um, on the the face of things, they are like not a morally good faction. Like no. they are, they are, like you said, they used to rule like mm -hmm. the the woodland and they're very yeah like full of themselves uh, we we joke calling them the tories because they do have quite a strong tory vibe about them of like lordship right. you know land ownership etc and um, they only but, poach one leader to put another one of them yeah, in place put another one exactly the it's only change scary. is internal uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> How, and they're associated with the color blue as well so um, but also, arguably, they're one of the lesser violent factions because it's often the case that violence doesn't really benefit the Eerie as much as it does for them to build roosts, for example. In right. The their numbers like, are low. They need to like be more political in their maneuvering and not just all-out warfare, right? Yeah, yeah. Like it. So it's kind of like, yeah, that they are landowners. They're the, you know, um, lord, lord ship pipes but mm. also they're possibly doing a lot less damage and destruction and violence in the the wood and the light so yeah in many ways it kind of works i always kind of viewed the, the factions of root even with the woodland alliance arguably being the more morally good one they i all kind of view them as like bad in in various ways it's all just one big conflict isn't it like ultimately so hmm. i think that kind of perspective does work so yeah i i we had fun playing it back when the quick start rules came out but i am looking forward to giving it a try when i can the full version yeah is it out now or is it coming out i kind of lost track of it because it was one of those things that just kept sliding back i think uh, i think so and... it is one of those games i need to double check but i think it's one of those games that is like uh, it is in fulfillment to backers at the right. moment, um, like that is heading out. And yeah, so pre-orders for like retail versions is going on right now. Um, you can get like the physical books, you can pre-order them. Uh, there are like the two, there's the one core book and then the one Travelers and Outsiders, which brings in a lot of the other factions. But uh, right now, if you backed it on the Kickstarter, it is fulfilling and then it'll come to retail sometime this year, I believe. So I believe the first half of the year, if I remember correctly. Cool. Excellent stuff. Yeah, I I really enjoyed what we played. Uh, like you mean, like it must have been, gosh, like over a year. A ago, well, it was yeah. easily over a year now. It I was think over it was a year two, ago. Year, two years ago because yeah. we were still in the office because Zoe joined us. Um, so yeah, which is wild in itself. Um, but yeah, that's cool. Uh, you've been playing anything else, Chase, uh, as well as Root? Uh, uh, just real quickly, I'll say that I've been playing. Uh, 
I, I don't want to say I've, I've still played. I picked up Magic the Gathering again. I'm not playing Arena anymore. I I think I'm going to write about this on the site. I dropped off of Arena, and I don't know if I'm going to go back except for, oh, for really? work things. Yeah, for ah, okay. myriad and complicated reasons that would take up another 30 minutes on this podcast. Um, but I've been playing physical Magic uh, because we have a group of people within our my sort of like COVID pod who all play. We get together for a cube, which is like this set of cards that you can draft from that are like curated personally. Um, and then so you crack open the packs, then you can put them back in. Uh, so a friend of mine created this cube for six to eight of us to get together. But we also play Commander. And I've been getting into building some like really cheap, fun Commander decks. Um, you know, buying some singles, uh, theme around stuff. I'm building one around Fungus and then another around Pirates. I, I really like, so I, I might write about this as well, but I really like tribal decks. I like the sort of thematic decks where creature types interact with each other. Mm. Um, so you can have a bunch of creatures of the same type. And then you have some spells and some enchantments and artifacts that sort of like boost your all your creatures of a certain type. Um, it's also just, I think, a really nice coherent way for my brain to come at deck building, which with magic, with its thousands of possible cards, is a monumental task that just almost immediately makes me want to go to sleep. But if I can be like, no, 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 I just want to like narrow it down to just just mushroom, just some mushroom people. Uh, that, nothing but mush. Yeah, just nothing but mushrooms, just like you know spores and guys um that gives me like at least a, a smaller narrower foundation in which to do some deck building and has helped me really have some fun just sort of like sorting around and it helps that they're cheap uh i am trying my best to make some decks and not just spend an ungodly amount of money which yeah it feels like a slippery slope very i love the chase i love the idea of you going to like an official tournament like this is a big big tournament mm-hmm. right and then someone's like interviewing you, like video interview. Uh, and then they're like, okay, so what kind of deck are you running? Tell us and your secret. You... <laughs> and then you just lower your sunglasses and you just say, mushroom. Yeah. It's like kneeling back <laughs> my chair. It's like, hmm. mushroom. Oh, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so that's me getting back into magic. I don't know if the decks are going to be good, but they're going to be fun. And I think. Yeah. That's what. That's the sort of wedge I want to play in. That's kind of where I fall in. It's like it's why I really liked Jumpstart when they did Jumpstart, which I think is still not on Arena. It kind of they there was a like a not full version of it, right? Yeah, I, on Arena. It is, and I believe they oh, said okay. that they're going to keep it there for us. It, it is not a permanent thing, but it's like we're going to keep Maybe it there was for it. a while, sort of yeah. thing. And they haven't taken it away yet. But like you like, I like the theme end of things rather than having to think very heavily about. Yeah. like mechanical combos because that's just it's just not where my head is at i don't have time for it but being able to be like yeah i like dogs and i like pirates great i have dogs and pirates here like yeah, put yeah. together yeah uh, i'm pretty sure i made a cat deck at one point I oh yeah there's a lot of oh, yeah you did on. like mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it was all right <laughs> the cool thing about ammon cat was like a lot of cats because of mm-hmm. the whole egyptian thing uh yeah but that's cool i hearing you talk about playing cubes each weekend always has me like yeah i would really like to like run a draft i have a bunch of booster packs that have just sat around for years at this point because every now and then i'm just like i would love to like love to run a draft and then i text my friend and they're similar and being like i just kind of overwhelmed by the idea of playing magic at all uh even if it's a draft um but one day one day it's gonna happen uh i've got all those 
unhinged decks. Oh, uh, so that's a fun. That's a fun uh, set to draft too. Yeah, like all the un the unsets mm -hmm. uh, where they just break the rules. They always seem like a good like you could have a good time with that with a load of people that don't know magic because those cards aren't designed to be like tournament balance anyway. Uh, so yeah, just just get wild, wet and wild magic. Mm -hmm. uh, all right, uh, if that's everything you've been playing, let's yep. pass on over. Alex Meehan, what have you been up to recently? Well, Mr. Jarvis, um, as the listeners and the viewers might know, last week we played Root, didn't we? Yes, we did. Here it uh, is, the well, second Root. We played Root a couple of times, or at least hmm. some of us played Root. Others of us were present, but but, but, ju <laughs> but just didn't seem to play. Uh, yeah, I mean, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> mm. 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 Delicious. <laughs> um, <laughs> I will say, um, I out. So we played for the stream last week. We did, um, yeah. On the Thursday stream, it was myself, Mr. Jarvis, and Wheels. I think we talked about this uh, on the last podcast. Yeah, but, we did. Um, it, yeah, we played on the Thursday, and then we spoke on the the Friday. Yeah, uh, and yeah. Then we um, played more root. Oh, so the wounds were fresh on Friday when y'all talked about. Oh it. yeah, the wounds oh, were yeah. Really fresh. <laughs> um, they uh, and we were playing with the the lizards and the river folk expansion, oh, the river folk yeah. expansion. i love yeah. the um, lizards so much they're, really good. they're horrible but um, <laughs> <laughs> they're little gremlins they are gremlins uh like we're saying we we love the way that they're animated we played on the root app which is still really good um mm. and you can watch that video if you have not to find out what happened uh but then like we said uh last friday we just because Liv said, oh, I've never played Root. And we were like, well, we've got to change that. So um, we played it on Friday evening as well using the app. But we played with just the standard factions because obviously Liv hadn't played yet. And the game is incredibly difficult to understand, it's let alone with the expansion factions. Mm. <laughs> it's a core-worthy game. Of, it's, a, it's a bit complex. Um. But yeah, we played that, and I played uh, the Woodland Alliance. Uh, Mr. Jarvis, who did you play? Uh, I genuinely can't remember who did I play. Did I play the Eerie? I think I played the Eerie in that. You did. You did very well. You were. You made a very. Thank impressive... you so much. That didn't sound condescending at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> passing so... me on the head as I sit in third place. Uh... Um. You made a very impressive decree. I was convinced at one point you were going to go into boiler. Yeah, I didn't fall into turmoil. No, you did oh, not. Oh, wow. That is impressive. It was it was it was pretty honkingly big by the end. And you had a lot of bird cards in there. So I was like just Matthew Jarvis. Yeah. Full of birds. Please well, don't fly away. Big honks. Yeah, you you were you were playing it risky. And then um I believe uh Wills was the vagabond and then uh, Liv played the Marquise de Cat. Because from our experience, the Marquise de Cat is probably the faction that's easiest to kind of get your head around to begin with yeah because uh, it's got a lot of mechanics that most people would be familiar with if they played board games like you know resource management and just whacking them building now etc etc and as you might be able to tell i won uh <laughs> once either you uh, won 
Well, maybe you won both times. <laughs> Who can tell? Go and watch the stream. Uh, um, you were, yeah, yeah, you were on top form. Uh, no, I think it's mostly because I was, I actually played Root, like, I, in the last few months. Because <laughs> uh, I played in person, like, a couple of months ago. So I'm, I think some people are a bit rusty, and obviously Liv hasn't played at all. So, but you know, and undermine your victory. It was, yeah, it was a. It, <laughs> it was, was pretty game. impressive. Yeah, you got you scored like fifteen points. So you need for those who don't know, you only need thirty points to win. Mm -hmm. And on your last turn, I think you scored somewhere in the realm of like fifteen. So you got like half of the amount you needed to win, and just it was like wild, yeah, yeah. Ran away. That seems to happen in a lot of my games where it's just like it's pretty close, and in the last two turns, someone just goes like runaway victory. Yeah, it's like the the Woodland Alliance are like a timed explosive where yeah. they'll just sit there and sit there, and they won't seem that dangerous, and then suddenly in one turn they'll rocket through the the rankings. Yeah, they they are very much one. We joked about this before, but like once you know what they're capable of, it is it can sometimes be the case that they will be crushed like pretty early on because we've seen what they can do yeah and um i think i just got really lucky with i revolted really early on like in the second turn or something ridiculous like that uh in one of the middle clearing which is ideal because it provides you with loads of access to the mm. various other clearings so you can spread sympathy easier and then the next clearing i got as well was incredibly well connected it was right in the middle uh too and that just meant that when i set up my bases i could just produce my little boxes pop them out and then uh have them go to other clearings and then turn into sympathy like that combo is just disgustingly good because <laughs> it doesn't cost you any supporters to do that like it's just actions you, that, that having that as an action is just wild to me it takes like a lot of work to get to that point so it's not like badly balanced, I think. But once you're able to do that, it's so hard to to stand out. But yeah, we played fruit, and that was great. I'm on a roll. I fully suspect my next game I'm gonna be brought down. <laughs> um, I've also played this week Terraforming Mars. Oh uh, yeah, which Classic. I did decidedly less well at because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not so good at that game. Um. Granted, I've not played it a huge amount, but uh, I think like really it rewards a lot of because you just learn the kind you of understand, yeah. like pathways from like turn yeah. one through. And if you yeah, if you're kind of playing and you're like either new to it or you haven't played like a certain um corporation before, like getting into the rhythm of it can be can be a lot. Yeah, well, like root, there are other factors affecting it, so there's not always an mm. optimum strategy, like because Whereas Root very much has player interaction that stops you from just taking optimum paths all the time. Um, Terraforming Mars has drafting in it. So it, the ran, that sort of random element means that you can't really create like optimum paths um, without just being incredibly lucky. Mm. But um, yeah, I played with a seasoned group <laughs> uh, and we played using the app, which is pretty good although it's very it's very um glitchy a lot of the time um you you'll find that sometimes you have to exit out of the game and come back just because it, it just freezes because it just decides to do that um so not ideal thanks asmodee digital um <laughs> we'll come back to that 
Yeah, yeah, Root yeah, made oh, Dire. Yeah. yeah. Root Root was made by Direwolf and published mm. by Direwolf. So like and they have a pretty really well, a good track record of making good digital board games. Whereas Asmodi Digital is a lot more mixed. Uh, yeah, and... mixed is the word. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, I played a faction that was designed around building cities, and apparently, according to my friends, it's one of the easiest factions to play. And I was a little bit like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> and but I feel like I leaned into my. Um, that sort of ability a little bit too much and not focused maybe on doing other things. Uh, so we were getting to the end of the game and my friends were like, oh, I don't think I've done very well. You know, like, I think this isn't been a great game. And I was just sat there, <laughs> just getting on with it. <laughs> and then at the end, I was I was lost. So I was like, well, you know, like <laughs> ultimately it's one of those games that until you finish the game, you can't really tell who's going to win because there's so many other factors involved with the end of game scoring that, um, you know, when you were counted, even when you were counted, like, uh, the victory points I'd earned kind of along the way and the cities I'd built and everything, like, other people had just utilised their cities a lot more by building greenery around them uh, as well as, you know, doing more victory point stuff than me and eventually I was last, but... Um, yeah, no, I really like Terraforming Mars. Uh, I think it's a really good game. It's definitely a really good Euro game, which I often can struggle to gel with because I'm not hugely into games where you sit in your corner and kind of do your own thing and then don't really interact with other people. But I definitely think Terraforming Mars is the better of those kind of games <laughs> because it still has that element of like, the drafting gives it some randomness. Uh, also, what people take, and you can do things that affect other people by, like, stealing their resources, for example. Um, and also, it is one of those games that you can really like chew into. Like, like Matt said, you, it's one of those games you have to play multiple times to really kind of understand how it works. Um, so yeah, there you go. Terraforming Mark, it could. Oh. Yeah, I couldn't remember if the dice game that they announced had come out yet, but I'm just looking and it is released this year. Yeah. Is that what it's called? Ah, here it's just listed as Terraforming Mars colon dice game. Maybe um, it's not that. Maybe Ares Expedition is a different game as well. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how they translate it to dice because, yeah, it is a bit more... It's not entirely luck-free, but it's definitely... Yeah, more. on the side of... It's a, it's a game that's... Uh, that rewards efficiency because hmm. you start off with not really being able to do much, but then by, you know, towards the end of the game, your turns are supposed to be like, you're squeezing every single thing you can get out of your turn. Like, and if you've done that well, which I don't do, uh, then your last few turns can just take like, yeah. I was sat there kind of just being like, I'm done. And then everyone else is still like taking their turns because they still got loads more to do. Yeah. Um, but uh, for, mm -hmm. for the record, Ares Expedition is the card game, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which came out so. last year, yeah. I think. Uh, so, yeah. So, there's also a dice game on the way. So, they are they're ringing every drop from the Terraforming Mars uh, yeah. popularity. 
it, it's a popular game, which surprises I, me sometimes because it's one of those it, games that you see on like every single list. Like yeah. it just keeps popping up on like lists of games that you should buy, lists of games like once yeah. you're done playing all these, like get into Terraforming Mars because it's just like very chewy and deep. I think yeah, it's good, yeah. but I don't know if I love it. Love it. Yeah. Like I, I, I've enjoyed what I play. I haven't played nearly mm-hmm. as much as like me and but. Uh, yeah, it's like I played it, but I wasn't like bowled over by it. It's just like, yeah, this is a really solid strategy game. Like, this yeah. is, it doesn't but feel I like it necessarily reinvents the wheel. It definitely does not. Um, but I do think what it does do, it just does it really well. And that's yeah. why people And there's something it. to be said for that, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, it's the thing is, there are so many Euro games out there that do that thing of mm-hmm. you sit in a corner, you do your thing, and you get your points, right? And that that I think because there's so many out there, when one is particularly good, it just manages to stand out from the crowd and kind of gain that sort of recognition and notoriety. I mean, if, if you were like, what if there was a game, one game that was that provided that satisfaction of playing it multiple times and getting better at it and really chewing into it? I mean, Root would be the one that I would pick because I think Root is is objectively a better game. But or or even like Lost Ruins of Arnak uh, for me is like it provides that similar experience that Terraforming Mars gives. But I think Lost Ruins of Arnak is better than Terraforming mm. Mars. Like it's it's kind of what it gives you that that kind of feeling of of understanding and and growing as like a player. Um, but I have friends who think Terraforming Mars is like one of the best games like ever made. They they love it, and I'm like, I respect that. I think it's great. Um, but You're really making not... the Alex Mean Bingo card players easy this episode. <laughs> We've got Root and Lost Ruins of Arnak on the same in the same sentence. Even hmm. look, okay, I know what I like. <laughs> I'm consistent. Um, yeah, and uh, we I also are. Uh, our group that plays Deadlands um, finally got back together again, which is nice. a miracle <laughs> because it's been months since we did our last session. It kind of just fell apart because life just happened mm. uh, as it does. But then the, a Christmas miracle happened uh, and we, we kind of got messaged uh, and we were like, let's just try and Let's do it. Let's let's restart this up again. And so we did our first session in months this week. Um, and I had to remember how to do Charles, uh, Charles P. McGinty's voice again. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, how do I do this again? And then I just sort of went straight into it. <laughs> and they were like, there it is. <laughs> um, and it was really good. Like Deadlands, particularly the newest version, which is weird west yeah no. I think so. yeah deadlands yeah. weird west mm-hmm. deadlands weird west yeah um which makes some really fundamental changes to the game that um previous head of video johnny really covered quite well and a video that you can watch um that kind of shows the the progress that deadlands has made particularly in its depiction of the west and getting rid of some of the more gross mm. <sighs> A fraught subject. Elements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, and, it, you know, like, I just find it very fun to play a character who has a lot of um, eccentricities about them, 
but somehow still manages to play the straight guy because all the other characters around him are like the spell casting types for the most part. Like I think one of our other characters is is like a gunslinger brawler type. But then the three other characters in our group are all um I can't remember what they're called. The the spell casting type in that game that uses playing cards to to cast spells and things. And my character has always kind of been the straight character amongst all this kind of chaos uh, because they're very much one of the few characters who hasn't like been involved in supernatural stuff up until this campaign like they didn't even know any of it existed so now they're completely new to it all and all the other characters are familiar and used to this sort of stuff so I always enjoy that kind of experience of this character is very eccentric, but somehow they're also like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was great. And then other than that, um, I've been watching a lot of Queer Eye, which which has been putting me in an emotional state of like almost constant either, oh, this is lovely, or oh my God, I'm going to cry. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's been squeezing the me. The episode like with the teachers up. in the latest season I've not yes. watched the latest season oh, Okay, yet. that was like... I'm oh, working up to I, it. I'm feeling it. <laughs> because I realised I only watched season one. And then I just didn't watch any of it for ages. And then I was like, oh, there's a new season now. I might as well sort of make my way through this. And I realised I've, I've watched season five? Four? The one before the latest one. And I didn't realise it. Um, but like so many of those episodes have reduced me to to tears like it is the most cliche thing to say but like Kurai just absolutely ruins me and that's the formula right like it is <laughs> it is designed to like yeah. basically like pull the heartstrings as hard as possible it is yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those very shows but at the same time it's hard not to just kind of be won over by just how pleasant it is for yeah, yeah yeah like i just want them to come over and sort my life out please mm. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forgive what's his name for putting sour cream in guacamole in season one though that's just <laughs> uh, anthony yeah anthony, anthony yeah. you're on my you're, you're on my shit no, list but he only did putting... that because that that woman the the grandmother was like put sour cream in guacamole Wait, no, this was for the guy. This is for like the guy uh, uh, in season one. I cannot, I watched this years ago. I think ago. this was a moment of internet outrage at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As all things are. Yeah. Uh huh. But, but seriously, well... don't put, don't, listeners, watchers, don't put sour cream in your guacamole. <laughs> please, I'm begging you. I would like to finally add that I feel like I am the Jonathan of any group. Like, I, I feel like jo I channel such strong Jonathan energy of like, pay attention to me i need attention i'm also i'm also <laughs> such a goof like a yeah, goofball <laughs> they, they are hard not to yes uh kind of just i love all of them but yeah. jonathan is like my channels that energy where i like i feel like this person is how i would be in this group um yeah yeah uh, speaking of netflix shows because uh, I've, I've played nothing this week because i've just been <laughs> horrifically busy um but I, so I've only played Root, which we played last Friday. Um, but I, last night we started watching uh, Singles Inferno, uh, which is the, I think it came out a couple of months ago. It's another Netflix. It's another, you know, oh. um, 
too not, hot to handle, mother, right? Yeah, like too hot to handle. But it's a Korean dating show where they all get they're all deserted on an island, sing, incre- just like incredibly attractive singles. Like, yeah, yeah. Like basically, like, these they're aren't all models people. of some kind. Yeah. But you don't know their actual occupations or ages, and then they have to like get along and survive, and then. They're, they're on Inferno, but if they couple up, they get to go to a Paradise, which is like a hotel, so they escape having to like, oh, wait, walk what around the and like, fetch hell? water. Wait, wait, hold on. So is this like based off of Dante's Inferno? Is there some I mean, kind of, like, very loosely. I'm not going to call it okay. an adaptation. Sure. I will um, say, I'm not sure this is what Dante had envisioned. <laughs> his yeah you know, I, I mean saying, a lot of which Dante's part of the catholic infernos, diocese do these hot koreans get to hang out with i was gonna say yeah like a lot of dante's inferno is either talking crap about like his neighbors or <laughs> like just like fawning over greek philosophers yeah. um so in in a similar way they're either talking crap about each other or like trying to fall in love with each other mostly mm. the um the latter like i've only watched one episode so far but they're all just very pleasant to each other it's like Compared to something like Too Hot to Handle, oh, yeah. where everyone's at each other's throats immediately because they're all competing. Here it's like, oh, you made a great dinner. And they're all just like, oh, you did really well with the rice. Like, thank you for getting the water. Like, oh, you're really good at this. And it's all just really nice. Um, so, yes. Uh, it sounds wholesome. Because, like, is, I don't. Yes. I don't watch programs like Too Hot to Handle because, one, I find cringe really mm. difficult to deal with mm. like when it's why i find shows like um it's always sunny in philadelphia or like the office or something yeah. so difficult to live through because sure. i just cannot deal with cringe when it's meant to like make you feel like you're crawling out of your skin and this is why i can't watch programs like too hot to handle because i would just I cannot get on board with the premise. Mm. I, I can't remove that part of myself that that hurts so much when someone is doing so <laughs> something so embarrassing. Like the secondhand cringe is it's so it's too much. It's crippling. So I yeah. can't deal with it. Well here it's um so there are there are definitely people that fit into that. You can imagine them turning up to the audition for a dating show because the first person there is like this incredibly ripped guy uh and he's just like yeah i think my my charms are i've got an incredible body i'm really popular uh and there's a lot of that like a lot of them are just like yeah i know i look you know like yeah a grecian model like a grecian Mm. statue um and so there is that element of them but then they start to show the side where actually they're also quite nice they're not just these kind of horrendous like narcissistic like mm. voids of personality um and they they have commentators who are on a sofa who they cut to who are reacting to the show uh, uh, and they terrace will... house yeah yeah and they will just kind of be like oh they're showing a different side and then often be like yeah like they look incredible uh you'd just be like yeah no they're right to be that confident about themselves um, yeah i mean yeah i feel like if i was put on the sofa with these people i probably would just either be like i've got to take at least a break every like minute so then <laughs> i can deal with fingers, the... just... <laughs> well yeah i can deal with the cringe but also i would just be thirsty incredibly thirsty the whole time. <laughs> but, I... like i i like hearing about these shows from other people like i like people telling me about so when too hot handle was happening i like other people telling me what's going on in the show Mm-hmm. more than like i would enjoy watching it so um i i have friends who watched the 
<laughs> Rock of Love with the Brett Rock Michaels, <laughs> which is an old reality te- television show starring Brett Michaels, who's yep. a rock star. Yeah, Chase knows. Uh, and he was trying to find his Rock of Love. You know. That doesn't. That's not a phrase that makes sense, though. It doesn't make sense. It's not a phrase. People aren't like, "You're my rock of love." Yeah, it, it's these these bachelorettes, and they're all they all want to marry Brett Michaels for some reason. For for obvious reasons, yes. for television <laughs> reasons. Uh, and I'm pretty sure he did this show like twice because I don't think it worked out the first time. They really spun it into the second season, like you know, as sort of like redemption, like, oh, he's the spurned lover. I can't remember exactly the reason why it didn't work out the first. Well, you can guess at the reasons why a, a relationship on yeah. a dating show didn't work out, but he's didn't like, he's back again. They they spun it into a whole narrative. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Yeah. As, is, as such as television. Uh, I'll add quickly while we're, while we're in the reality TV corner, because to be honest, it's the only thing I've done other than be busy with other stuff. Uh, uh, we also started watching on the recommendation of my sister, Below Deck, um, oh, no. which is a crew of people working on cruise ships or like um like cruise yachts uh, so they have these mega rich people come in and they rent the yacht for a weekend and these people the crew are basically there to just you know serve them whatever they need uh, and the first episode of the season we watched is excruciating if you don't like cringe never no, watch I'm, that episode I can feel because there is an excruciatingly um let's say stereotypical kind of like very rich person very like oblivious to what's actually going on in the world mm-hmm. who immediately gets very drunk um to the point where their own companions are saying don't give don't give them any more vodka like just give them water um and then is demanding a bubble party uh, that none of the other people attend at first so the the crew of the yacht have to kind of like join join him uh, and then is constantly saying like oh i hear aerosmith's in town can you get aerosmith to come and join us and the poor crew of this yacht have to at least show that they've made some effort in trying to like reach out to Aerosmith it's just it's excruciating uh, to watch yeah, it like... sounds like real housewives but on a boat it's, it's yeah and the crew are largely just at each other's throats because you know they're stuck on a boat together but also sure uh, I, I don't think it's the first season of it because there's a setup of uh, two people come on and they're like oh we were on a previous season and one of them is just up. Yeah, I didn't like her at all. And then she walks through the door in a very reality TV way that is yeah. obviously, you know, uh, fantastic. Yeah, and you're like, oh! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there you go. That's been the, the reality trash TV yeah. section of this podcast because I haven't played anything. I wish, tell you what, that's an RPG I'd like to see. I know there was a telenovela one that actually Magpie Games put out, but I can't think of a full tabletop RPG that lets you just be like on a on a dating show on a reality tv show something like that gives the framework of one of those shows uh, and lets you kind of portray uh the you know the kind of typical stereotypical folks that you see on those shows where they're you know they're out for themselves they're in it to win it whether that's love or money or Mm -hmm. what have you Mm -hmm. um i think it would make an interesting framework for an rpg i'll i'll bring it back I'll steer it somehow back on course. Yeah. Well, uh, Charlie Everidge Nunn says, Black Armada released a Below Decks RPG on their Patreon called Free Sheets of the Wind. Oh, my God. Okay. Thank <laughs> you, You need Charlie. to find this, Matt Jarvis. Uh, Free Sheets to the Wind? It sounds incredible. 
Uh, Which is Sarah's incredible. In the chat again. I can immediately see how that would work. Uh, yes, shout out to Sarah also. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's move be? on. Uh, it's Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Uh, oh, okay. We've had enough anime talk. <laughs> Uh, to look, let's get somewhat into 2022 before we go there. Uh, I will say if you're in the chat, uh, hi, thanks for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to drop us a question, uh, we'll pull some towards the end of the show. So just drop them in chat. Uh, and if you're listening to this on catch up, you can email us at podcast at dicebreaker.com. We can find us on Twitter at join dicebreaker. But hey, drop us your questions, just let us know what you've been playing, or just ask us anything you want. It can be about tabletop games, or it can be about the latest season. <laughs> <laughs> of uh, Queer Eye or Singles Inferno. Uh, all is appreciated. Mm. Uh, okay, let's move over to news and attempt an impossible tangent out of the things we were just talking about. Because, um, yeah, it's it's not been a wholly positive week for the tabletop industry, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Chase, do you want to start us off with uh, a relatively non-easy subject um, and tell us what's been going on with tabletop Kickstarter? sort of tabletop simulator uh the last week or so yeah so you might have seen this this um so the crux of it is that tabletop simulator has been facing a lot of backlash from the community for the way that its moderation team has handled stuff in its global chat and that ultimately led to them just removing global chat from their game and now there's a lot of like review manipulation going on on steam and it's sort of bringing a lot of the sort of like a lot of issues that they haven't addressed are sort of festering and are now becoming this issue that needs to be addressed or a lot of people are saying they're not going to use the the program anymore so this started out with a uh user uh zoe allred um uh who put out a uh, a tweet thread which went pretty viral talking about uh her experience with like talking in global chat and keep getting like kicked from the chat or banned temporarily for the use of certain words words like gay words like uh you know trans like sort of like certain terms that are relating to someone's sexual or gender identity uh sexual orientation gender identity those sort of things and it seemed very weird that this kept happening even though there was other stuff like political talk, talk about um, U.S. presidents and elections, ideological things like Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. And so she created this thread sort of like just talking about like how fed up she was with all of this, Um, even like reached out to support. And it sort of seemed like uh, the issue was that Tabletop Simulator, which is a very large program, and I don't know what their moderation team looks like, but there were some claims from the moderation team that they used uh, sort of like automated keywords uh, that whenever folks use them would automatically like sort of like catch and filter and throw them out of the global chat because per their like rules, which if you go to the story that's on the site, there is a link to tabletop simulators rules and up at the top in bold, it's like, we want to keep this on on topic and family friendly quote from their rules. Uh, unfortunately, it seems that words like gay and trans and other things like that are included in these filters, which kind of creates an issue whenever the reason for those filters is keeping it family friendly. It's leading a lot of people to claim like, why is gender identity not seen seen as family friendly? So this went, this all happened, I believe, on January 7th. On January 8th, Tabletop Simulator put out a, a statement saying that they were reviewing uh, this issue uh, and were pretty sure that this happened because um, the one of the users, Zoe Allred, was like trying intentionally trying to uh, hit the filter by using words like cis, 
straight, heterosexual, all these other things to just sort of like see what was catching the filter. Um, the next day they came out and said, oh, we were mis misinformed about what was actually going on. We had decided to remove the global chat for the time being, and we are reviewing our, our sort of like moderation uh, rules and how we do moderation, and we'll get back to you. It has been radio silent since then. Unfortunately, in the interim, as this has become a sort of like issue that's come to the head, there has been a lot of transphobic reviews on Steam, a bunch of people saying like, we're really glad that Tabletop Simulator isn't giving into SJWs and other such language like that. I won't quote directly from these reviews, but there is a lot of reviews from folks who are taking the obvious message from the way that Berserk Games, which develops Tabletop Simulator, is handling this. Um, there hasn't been much that's happened since then. Um, Tabletop Simulator did not get back to my email trying to get a comment. Uh, they haven't done anything else but remove the global chat. I believe the global chat is still disabled as of today, as of the recording of this podcast. And a lot of users are saying, if this is the way this is going to happen, we're just not going to use your program anymore. We're going mm -hmm. other, other ways. Tabletopia, yep. which uh, does not seem to have the same filters. Screen Screenshot. .gg or screencap.gg is another one that I've seen some people use. Alternatives are being offered up as people seem to like mm -hmm. object to the way this was handled and move on to different programs. Board game arena is another one, or yeah. you know, specific apps for board games. Like there are there are other options out there. Yeah, and understandably yeah. so, really, because you say like how they handled it, but like handled would be maybe too strong a word for just them like closing the door on this festering just like <sighs> Yeah. of like hate and just vileness so mm. yeah like it's just like frankly it's just shocking to see like it's just a kind of a grim state of affairs all over the place from the initial handling of it uh through to obviously the like the review like review bombing i guess on yeah on Steam. i mean the, the fact that they're not the fact that they haven't come out with any statement yeah like supporting lgbtq you know, members of the community and sort of standing against these people who are putting up all these horrible, mm -hmm. you know, transphobic, homophobic reviews. To me, that's a sign of them. That's as that's as bad as them. That's essentially them saying, uh, "We don't care about our, our LGBTQ plus members." Like they, right? That that is as much. That is the same thing as like supporting these horrible people. Like it, by them not speaking out, they might as well yeah. be saying we agree with these horrible people. Like and... that's my opinion, by the way, not dice breakers. But like that to me is like just as bad. Because... Yeah, and it. I mean, the irony is this all stems from moderation, and moderation is there to filter out weeds mm -hmm. like this in the first place. And this is yeah. what happens if you don't filter out those weeds. And for them to just be like, well, we're just going to turn off global chat. And it's yeah, like, like, that doesn't solve the problem at all. Like, what, what like are you doing? Burying your head yeah. not only doesn't solve the problem, but it also just, it just makes it worse because, yeah, you, yeah, you might as well be supporting these horrible people by right. doing nothing. By I like... mean, his... Yeah, historically, like bigotry moves into a place where there is inaction and just sort of festers there, which is exactly what's happened here. The bigots online have seen them removing global chat as tabletop simulator taking away LGBTQ plus people's ability to talk online and therefore About a themselves. win in their eyes, right? 
Uh, and if you'll recall, last year, this is not the first time that automated tools have ostensibly caused problems for Tabletop Simulator. There was the whole language issue from last mm -hmm. year where they used automated technology to translate Tabletop Simulator into like 29 other languages with ludicrously bad results that everyone was just like, why did you just not pay people to do this? Yeah. Like you, you were the, one of the largest like virtual tabletop programs in the space. And it seems like this is, again, I don't know for sure because they didn't get back to me, but it certainly seems like this is Tabletop Simulator not investing the resources in moderating their community and it biting them in the back end. Yeah. Well, in some ways, sorry, me and you go. I was just going to say, the thing is, in some ways, um, the way that Berserk has not moderated their community mm. is positive because, because all these mods exist, like... Caveat, please support publishers and developers. But um, the fact that they've not gone through and like copyrights, you mm, know, right. done copyright attacks or allowed companies to do copyright attacks on all the very mods. And I think that's meant that publishers have been, have also been willing to support mods and put their own mods up oh, yeah. for free. Like the workshop side of things really positive like that's fantastic but you can't apply that kind of approach to the the entire community situation yeah. like allowing players to create their own mods and things thumbs up that's great because because the only people not benefiting from that are you know arguably publishers but if publishers have got any sense they'll just say you know what we're fine with it anyway because board games are a different ballpark from video games anyway like Don't people who really pe people exactly people who really like the board games will buy the board games like yeah. regardless if the mod exists the mod just makes it easier for them to play with people who maybe aren't around so often etc but like that kind of sort of um vague approach to to moderation and community cannot be applied across the board Yep. You know, it's not the same. It shouldn't be applied to, for example, censoring or filtering certain of offensive words or like translating languages or managing what people are saying on your chat. Like that cannot be treated in the same way. That needs yep. more con more care and more consideration. And that's just not what they think by just letting it be and not doing anything is is a neutral approach and it's yeah. not <laughs> and i think in some ways obviously we don't we don't know because they haven't made a statement but mm -hmm. and they've just they've closed up everything they've brought the shutters down but the idea of assigning this to some sort of automated tool seems like a very easy get out and actually if that was the case then it would be you know that's that's a mistake why like words such as gay and trans would yeah, be one of them. Yeah, why are those still To be honest, that's just a load of bullshit anyway. But yeah. the fact that that is a very easy thing to solve. You take those off the filter, you apologize, you say, we didn't know those were yeah. on there. Like you pull a, you've pulled a filter list from somewhere else, yeah. you know. I mean, th those, those, should happen, not, but... those terms should not be on like the filter list to begin with because this argument has been made so many times by so many cowardly companies <laughs> who don't want to offend, you know, people who are transphobic or homophobic uh, by saying, oh, it's it's our family friendly filter. I'm sorry, but if you have, if you allow someone to say straight or heterosexual on your forums, 
you should allow people to say gay or trans you know that's not like that that is discriminatory like i'm sorry we, but it is yeah yeah within there's a document that zoe Allred um compiled of a bunch of screenshots of conversations both within like the discord as well as emails with the support team and in one of them one of the mods says that they uh filtered those words because in their in their experience this is quoting from the mod uh paraphrasing from the mod the use of terms like gay and trans were uh overwhelmingly used derogatorily by the chat so adding to the filters is protecting the lgbt community from and it's like i'm sorry no. this personally you should be very skeptical of any sort of uh defense like that that is just not, it's not. it's one it's just not true and probably there's no data to back it up and two it is not a helpful solution in that case no like erasing erasure is not the same as protection no. if you were like protecting people you would put more effort into moderating your chat and actually moderate like mm -hmm. language and and actual phrases that are very clearly transphobic or homophobic like that that is just because they cannot be bothered to to like fully you know in invest in moderating properly mm. so yeah all yeah. in all what what a show <laughs> yeah uh, and again like go go retrace his full story over on the website if you want yeah. the, the full context uh and reminder the board game arena exists tabletopia exists there are dedicated mm -hmm. apps on various storefronts um so you yeah there are frankly there are yeah avenues to not use tabletops in it, until until they sort this out we're just not going to be using tabletop simulator like we don't support that kind of approach that behavior like most of dicebreaker are queer and like this is not okay so screw that mm -hmm. <laughs> uh again we'll pivot out of the very not easy to pivot out of subject uh let's talk about briefly the new game from the creative commit uh me and you wrote the story about you yucatan yeah i'm in the chopper in ancient oh yeah the news chopper in back, maybe. It, yeah in ancient columbia oh boy yeah um so oh boy is right oh boy <laughs> is right um so uh talking about one blunder to another potential blunder um mm. so commit which is a game that um we played on the channel before uh i thought it was pretty cool um and I believe uh, our friend Wheels is a fan, particularly of Comet Blood and Sand, which was the re-release last year, mm -hmm. which added some really cool bits. Uh, but the creator of Comet, uh, please, I, uh, I'm i sorry for uh, what I'm about to do, Gil Gilam Montiac. <laughs> I, I tried my best. I think it's a French name. I'm not 100% sure. Um, uh, their next game it will be called um, Yucatan. Uh, it was announced a while ago, but it's it's coming on Kickstarter. In fact, it's on Kickstarter now. Apologies. Uh, and it kind of takes place in ancient Mayan civilization, uh, uh, which uh, in the game players basically become uh, rulers of their own cities, and they have to uh, sort of gain points by establishing control over other cities um and they can acquire kind of new powers um by making human sacrifices to their gods 
Um, <sighs> now, I am not an expert of Mayan ancient Mayan culture by any means. So take whatever I say with a grain of salt. But um, I did reach out to Mathigo, which is the publisher of Yucatan. And I basically said, hey, there's some potentially dodgy stuff going on with the premise of this game. Uh, particularly with its huge emphasis on human sacrifice, etc. Uh, have you have you got a cultural consultant about this stuff? And their response was, uh, apparently they have a um, they have an expert, a historical expert of the time period, and they kind of talked to them about making things, and they said accurate. Now, accurate could be a very subjective term as to what we're meaning here. Um, they did not confirm if they'd had a cultural consultant, which I consider to be a very different thing from a historical Yeah, they seem expert. to dance around it a bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, bets on this person being an Anglo historian and not anything they did else, not right? They did not confirm, like, if this person was Colombian. Sure. I mean, they're also not a cultural consultant, as far as I know. They did not use that term. That work is very different. Mm. That is a very different work from, from being historically accurate to yeah. how is this going to reflect on our perception of, you know, like, a different culture from ours, particularly when there's, like, a reference... Sorry, particularly when there's a heavy emphasis on making human sacrifices. Also, the cover for this game is very... Yeah, yeah. It doesn't lend any kind of reassurance to, like, oh, it'll be treated in, like, a, a sensitive yep. way. Yeah, um, I mean, like, the, the front cover, um, if you've not seen it, is um, essentially a, a person looking like they're about to make a human sacrifice. I think that they're, they're holding a human head there. Yeah, they are. Um, yeah. yeah. And then and... there's armies of, like, there's a very strong kind of barbaric vibe to yeah, it. Yeah, it's like red and black colour palette as well. It's it's not just, like, that's the thing. It's like, ac accurate portrayal of human sacrifice. Like, that's, that's possible, but that's yeah, not absorbing things saying... in, like, reds and blacks and having this kind of, like, moody fit like that's just presenting it as yeah, it would have happened we're not saying that human sacrifices didn't happen <laughs> during the ancient line mm. civilization in fact human sacrifices i think has been a thing throughout various yeah many like, histories the <laughs> across the world like uh it's just the fact that there is like so much of an emphasis on this like this is a gameplay mechanic like i mean in Kemet. And again, I, I doubt there was a con cultural consultant involved in that. Uh, if I'm wrong, please let me know, Matago. Um, that obviously was based on ancient Egyptian history. Mm -hmm. And there were like bits in that where you could like have people be sent to be sacrificed to a god or whatever. And again, I don't know. That, that probably happened in ancient Egypt. Um, but one, ancient Egypt is a culture that's been heavily covered uh, already so it, it kind of feels less gross when you think about like it's not like and it's not the thing on the cover right that's, it's I not like the, the main emphasis like... of 
of Kemet Evo. Making this like, culture just who human sacrifices is yeah, very different yeah. to it being Whereas a part like, of a wider depiction. I I know little to nothing about ancient Mayan culture. Um and like if if, if this is being marketed to me as hey, human sacrifice is the big part of this. Like that to me is significantly a different situation from human sacrifices being included in a game about ancient Egypt because ancient Egypt, like that's a fairly like there's loads of media about ancient Egypt out there. Like mm. we've we've consumed a lot of it, whereas ancient Mayan cultures, not so much of it out there. So the fact that you're also doing this makes it more like mm. so. Yeah, it's a shame. Not a huge fan. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, they've got cultural consultants. Yeah, please hire cultural consultants because they might look at this thing and say, "Hey, maybe don't do that." Maybe don't do that. <laughs> De definitely have games about ancient Mayan cultures being made. Like, have more games about different cultures we made. Maybe have a designer from that culture make it, or at least hire cultural consultants to do it <laughs> i just think it's super funny that there's a euro game about the heavily european colonized region of south america and central america like that's just on its face grimly hilarious yeah and unfortunately it's it's like far from the first one of those and i'm sure it will be far from the last yeah. one of those but uh yeah it's yeah uh all right let's move on to the last new story i've got here which is just a quick one uh chase you wrote up this uh, pan great news, pan pandemic's vanished. Uh, yeah, the pandemic's gone, y'all. Well, um, our pandemic is gone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what you gotta do me like that? Uh, sorry, buddy. Uh, yeah, real bait and switch. So the this comes from a post on the board game subreddit. Someone's just like, hey, I went to go update pandemic on my new phone, the like digital app, and it's just not there. And we promised we would talk about Asmodee Digital again, and here it is. Uh, customer support got back to this person and confirmed that all versions of the uh, digital app for Pandemic would just be pulled from stores eventually. Uh, they said that by the 31st, it would be gone from the Microsoft Store. It is already gone from Google Play, from iOS, from Steam, and then it will stay on the Nintendo Switch until June, 20, June of this year, which is probably for contractual reasons. Uh, based on whenever they put it up there. Um, I can't confirm that, but just on my prior knowledge of how the, that works, how that store works, that's probably why it's staying up until June. The reasons? Uh, hmm. They said, this decision was made with a heavy heart for a multitude of reasons that we cannot disclose. Which, what, what an incredible response. <laughs> just to be like, yeah, it's happened. We can't tell you why. Oh, Brooke Boyd oh, okay. says it's been removed from Xbox Game Pass as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, game, uh, I forgot it's on Game Pass as well. Yeah, so if you have, so just up top, if you have purchased the game, you can still download it. Like you can, there are settings that you can go through and like find your past purchases and re-download that. Uh, ostensibly, that means that it will no longer be supported. So if for whatever reason it doesn't work, like it's a buggy mess, it's probably going to stay a buggy mess on your device because it's just gone and we don't know why. There's, we can speculate that they're going to put I out- I will a new... speculate. <laughs> oh yeah. They might be putting out a new version. Uh, they might be doing an app a la Catan Universe where- That's my bet. My which bet is... is pandemic <laughs> Yeah, I mean, so one, it, that would make a lot of sense because Catan Universe is a way to just sort of like throw all of the different versions of that game into one sort of singular app 
thing. You, it also means that they can sell you all of those versions, all those digital versions in a single place. Uh, yeah. That seems like the most likely one. To yeah, me. and I think this app, I might, I think it originally launched in something like 2012. So it's probably due it's just old, a yeah. refresh, like for the size of the kind of like pandemic's popularity, pandemic the board game, uh, you would think that pulling it entirely would be a very strange decision because it's probably <laughs> not far off something like Catan in terms of the number of people wanting to play it. Mm. Um, I can't remember if this is the app that I've played. I think... I have played this app version, it. and it's I've not got, it. got multi like local multiplayer. I might be wrong about that, but I seem to remember a, a pandemic app not having local multiplayer. Which, given it's a card game, is a very strange choice. Yep. Um, so yeah, I hopefully it'll be the case that it resurfaces again, and it's it's better, and it's not just we found a way of squeezing more money from you. Hey, buy this yeah, DLC. Yeah, that's what we not want. I just also... don't know. Why... Sorry, go ahead, Mian. Also, don't release it in a state like uh, Terraforming Mars, and please. Glitchy mess. I just don't understand why, if they were doing that, even if they were just like upgrading it, fixing all that stuff, why wouldn't they keep it on the store? Why mm. pull it unceremoniously like this? It is no odd to not have an immediate announcement, right? And be like, sure. okay, we've pulled it, but don't worry, we've got a better version coming, and this I is why. Just be like, you. we can't disclose anything. Makes it sound so nefarious and weird. It's real, ways. yeah. I have an exact answer for you. It's because the new version they're going to put out, which is going to be like Tom Universe, they want you to buy. They don't want you to buy the old version of Pandemic. Okay. For yeah. example, if you just want to play Pandemic, they want you to buy the new snazzy version they're going to put out with all the extra add-ons you can buy and all mm. the various transactions that you can make on it. They want yep. you to buy that one. They don't want you want. They don't want to give you the option to buy the old one. Like that's what they're doing. Yeah, I'm, I was going to say, well, why would they leave a gap? But I suppose the the reason is for PR reasons. Because if you immediately swapped them out and said, okay, now we're charging you double, uh, or something like that, that would just annoy a load of people. Whereas if you give it a few weeks to cool down yeah. and you just take it off and you don't really tell anyone subtly. Uh, yeah, it makes it a lot easier to then be like, hey, look at this new Pandemic app. Oh, the old one. Oh, no, we, we, we don't know anything about that. But look at this new shiny one. Oh, um, her. We yeah. don't know her. <laughs> I don't know her. Um, it's just like, it just seems like they're creating an issue where there shouldn't have been one. There's got to be a better way to have handled this. If that's their plan, which it probably is, and people were going to be upset, but like, uh, there has to have been a better way to handle this rollout. This you seems so be. weird. Yeah. I mean, Chase, of course, there's a better way. It doesn't mean that's the way they want to do it. <laughs> like, the way they want to do it is that yeah. they they don't care about, or they don't care enough about perception, about public perception. They care more about having people buy their new product. <laughs> and this I is have... the sure way to do it. <laughs> I have seen some people say that like this is due to them being uh, Asmodee being purchased by the Embracer Group, which is largely a video game mm. uh, license holder, and that deal is not final yet. That is still going no. through, so I don't think that that has affected this in any way. And again, you think it would then be everything would switch over at once, and it would be a very sure. smooth, obvious, rather than just a we're not going to say anything, we're not going to communicate anything. Yeah, we're not going to reassure people why this is happening. Now, will them being purchased by the Embracer Group give them better development resources to make these digital apps? Possibly. Uh, I hope better? so. We all hope so. Yeah, for sure. I played will that fucking horror them? game. <laughs> uh, 
I don't actually think that was developed by Asmodee Digital, but either way, it wasn't great. Um, all right, uh, Chase, you've written here, you'd like to quickly mention Zine Month. Oh yeah, so I won't belabor this at all, but uh, if you if you are someone who likes Zine Quest, it's happened three years in a row now, it's not happening in February anymore. They moved it to August. That is a whole other issue. But in its place, a lot of indie designers have created this new thing called Zine Month that they're gonna do. It's sort of handled on their own. You can just search for Zine Month, just Google it, or if hashtag, Zine Month, one word. Uh, Zine Month 2022, I think, is what it's under. Uh, there are a lot of indie RPG designers that are taking February to create their own games because they've already planned for this. There is a website where all the games are being hosted. They're funding in various places that aren't Kickstarter for I was gonna say, yeah, blockchain maybe. reasons. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you like, if you really enjoyed Zine Month because it uh, gave you a bunch of like really neat, like smaller zine-sized games, which are really cool for like designing in time constraint spaces, check out Zine Month. Uh, it's going to be going on throughout January. There's already some projects. Uh, it'll go on throughout February. So keep an eye on that. Awesome. Do that. Support indie creators. Yeah. Absolutely. And maybe find other ways to support them other than Kickstarter. Uh, uh, before we move on to this week's segment, uh, we've had a super chat from uh, JT Gerdes, who's been a member of Dicebreaker Plus for seven months. Thank you very much for your support. He says, hey, DB team, thank you for all you do. Keep being your awesome selves. Thanks very much. Aww. You too. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Matt Jarvis. Happy if, New Year. If we, if we get enough money, can I get a soundboard? Where every time just someone says kicks, no, when oh, every, every time someone says Kickstarter, I can press a button that just goes Bleh, like that, like a sick <laughs> Every time someone says the word NFT, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, look, you no, hate what you create. Uh, so, oh god, okay. Oh, Matt Jarvis, <laughs> if you gave me access to a soundboard, you would ruin the day. And we can like make it Troy it. Baker's voice if we pay <laughs> Troy Baker oh, enough money god. for an NFT. Um, <laughs> That's a yeah. different story for a different time. I'll get Let's him to do on. a fart and record it and send it to me. So I, I mean, he basically is that. by doing an NFT. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's hey. move on to this week's segment. Well, hey, uh, hey, if you're... Well, actually, Mian, why don't you introduce this as the as the critical role <laughs> fan of the, <laughs> of the team? You've taken on this burden. <laughs> this is like um, recompense for all the the sort of um, teasing I've been doing this episode. Um, yeah, so um, uh, I, having watched uh, Critical Role Campaign 1 and Critical Role Campaign 2 uh, I've not started Campaign 3 for various reasons um, which you can read about on the website on a very special little article <laughs> which made some people upset. Um, there is... Wasn't it always? Uh, there is an animated series coming out on January 28th, I believe, uh, called The Legends of Vox Machina, which is based essentially on the first campaign uh, of Critical Role. Um, having watched it, it starts off and it gets better, and then campaign two is just better, so I'd rather they just adapt that. But um, the series is being shown on Amazon Prime, video and it was kickstarted by various fans i did not uh contribute to it myself because i personally don't think it needs to exist uh because you can just watch the show and you believe uh, in a journalistic objectivity hmm. yeah I, I, this is my <laughs> opinion um but anyway the trailer has come out for it uh, this week which i watched and wrote a little news story about which you can read on the site 
my thoughts on it are <laughs> not positive, <laughs> not because it's critical role, uh, but because I don't believe that it presents the story, uh, the characters, or the general sort of tone in the best light. It's just, I think we best described it as like Rick and Morty mixed with critical role. Like, yeah, it, which it, is, it is, um, it's just a lot of a lot of swearing, which I don't have complete, you know, disapproval of, uh, and just a lot of that kind of weird. This is adult, zany humor, woo, um, uh, mixed with some weird, like quite serious, clearly serious plot moments. Um, it's just very odd. And the thing is, trailers can be very uh, deceiving, and they don't always present things in the best light. So I'm not going to just judge it completely on that. I will probably watch it and then we'll see what happens then. <laughs> then I'll um, judge it. <laughs> but, uh, leading from that, we were wondering what tabletop stuff would we like to see in an animated series? Mm. Or, if, if we were forced to pick one. <laughs> um, there you go. So this is our segment. That's is... it. That's the segment. Surprise. So, listeners, um what let us know what tabletop uh let's call it properties brands you would like to see IPs. i love ips i love matt jarvis i'm gonna get you a t-shirt that says i love I- ips but it will be in that kind of i love new york style oh yeah i heart ip <laughs> yeah um, I, heart I can IP. see it yeah and then i'll just draw a little c in between the i and the p um I'm going to dive straight in here and I'm going to immediately suggest the obvious one, which I think Root, Root would make an easy animated series. Oh, it's got great art. Adorable. It's got a great world. I, now, I'm pretty sure that Redwall got turned into an animated series that I think I watched as a kid. So I imagine it's something along those lines. Uh, so I think Root makes sense. Going to get that away because there's been a lot of Root chat before yeah, we yeah, move into yeah. like no, actual RPG stuff as well. Just use Kyle Farron's art please yeah just make kyle theron a millionaire with yeah. this with yeah. animated um, show and as umbra points out in the chat uh there is already a blades in the dark show coming which that was gonna be my thing is another really good i think that's a really good i super think that you if listen if i they're gonna do whatever they think but i truly believe that that would be most successful if they do blades in the dark is it like an animated show yeah yeah i, I think yeah animation animated though. Though. i i know it's live action, live action. I think. yeah I can't so, remember if they confirmed that, but I do think because, animation would work really well for Blades in the Dark. Because, yeah. um, the there's been a recent like spat of really, really good adult animated shows coming out over the last few years, mm-hmm. such as Castlevania, mm-hmm. uh, Arcane, really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's that other one I also watched? Uh, I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> if they did like an adult, like animated series based on Blades and Dark, it would slap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be so good. <laughs> I'm afraid like live action is going to end up looking a lot like what, what that show Shadow and Bone, whatever that weird. Oh, young it, adult. It, wow. it runs. It runs the risk of the cosplay problem, right? Uh, it just yeah. looks like everyone's in some kind of cosplay, and it all feels very stagey and like fake and yeah also blades in the dark is like 
at least one part of it is very action oriented. Again, this is sort of like the the mm. Avatar thing as well. It's like if you like animation works well for like action scenes and stuff like that. Having to do that in live action, one takes someone who knows their stuff, and two, mm. a lot of time and money that I don't know if these shows are going to get. Yeah, yeah. and Blades like... in the Dark has flashbacks built into it as well. So yeah. like just in general, oh. it's a very cinematic it's format very... for a role playing game. It's a. It has potential to be a very stylized mm-hmm. series and live action stylized series. They can go the good way, which is, for example, series of unfortunate events, which is an incredibly stylized live action series that I think pulls that off incredibly well. Uh, or it can go. <laughs> it can go so badly, and you're like, these people are so smug. Because they're like, we're doing something so cool and amazing. And then you're sat there just going, this is so embarrassing to watch that I feel like my skeleton is crawling out of my body right now. Yep. <laughs> uh, as as I assume Wheels says in the chat, uh, you want Cowboy Bebop original, you're going to get Cowboy Bebop remake. Oh uh, my which God, is the, the so worst, right. The worst, oh. most accurate thing that Wheels has ever said. Uh-huh. Um, and the, these, these got a long list. Uh <laughs> I'm trying to think of other RP- I mean, Monster of the Week is again like the format lends itself to like, but that just means that it's basically going to be um, Buffy. Although, thankfully, without Joss Joss Whedon, like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, you know what? I'll take that. Um, <laughs> or Doctor Who or something like that. Um, I would love, I would love a good, like, without without Lovecraft himself. So you know, detachment, oh, yeah, Arkham, like Arkham or, Horror, uh... or Call of Cthulhu is an RPG or Trail of Cthulhu. Like focus on the mystery. So X Files, but distinctly cosmic horror. Yep. Like that would be great. And I think actually that could work in animation because the problem with monster stuff is that as soon as you see the monster, Spencer. it looks naff. Yeah, uh, like, it CGI looks... looks. Yeah, it looks like a Buffy thing where like out, out of every. 10 monsters one of them might look okay yeah and the rest of them just look absolutely it's or it's just like or it's the gentleman from the silence episode where it's like okay these are just they're very clearly just humans with masks on yeah but it works because you're not trying to go too like out. i mean i i know i'm gonna sound like a broken like a broken record but like sorry we used to I can't you. Sorry. You, <laughs> two you games have of been... root have, have decimated me, turned me into this. Mr. Jarvis has been like this all week. I've just you been see... getting clapbacks from him. Like You see the environment I have to work in, folks? This is I know. Uh, um, like, horror can be such a good theme, mm. like genre, for like animated shows. Mm. And I think um, a lot of creators like shy away from it because you know you're gonna have to make it like an r rating or something for it to be like effective but castlevania is so yeah. good uh, maybe not the last season or the third season maybe not but more the first season of the set sorry yeah. the second season of castlevania i love how violent that that series is oh my god it's so violent and like i'm so happy about that arkham arkham that would files. be incredible yeah <laughs> like fully lean into the gross like terrifying aspect yeah. of of and also they have so much to choose from You've yeah got they have the Elvis characters horror. that's You've the got, yeah arkham horror the card game and they've already like wrestled that that um franchise all those those themes and, and things away from lovecraft and made it their own thing that like yeah. 
they're, they've got enough there. It's not like they, they've not got enough to kind of work, work with. But mm. yeah, Arkham Horror Files was what I was going to pick. Like that. No, I think was, that's, yeah. A ca- yeah a Castlevania so Arkham Horror would be. Yeah, oh, it'd be so good. Uh, Alex, that, means you... they, they, that means they've got to include enough characters for me to be obsessed with. Mm-hmm. I mean, they got a lot to pick from in that yeah. in that universe. There's a yeah, lot the, of the the sea captain, yeah, with the hairy yeah, chest that everyone likes, or <laughs> the Yorick, William Yorick, who's the grave Yeah, I think that's William Yorick. Yeah, he's um, the, yeah. There, there's the musician. I can't remember the jazz musician. Yeah, he's really cute. Diana, the reformed cultist, who I really like as well. That's like a good in into the oh. cult side of it. What's the actor called? What's she called? I can't remember, but she's really uh, Eva Green. Uh... Oh, she looks like <laughs> Eva Green. Oh. <laughs> I could, what are you I, gonna say? Look, Jason? I just took a stab in the dark and assumed it would be Eva Green. <laughs> Uh, I was going to say, so you also put that not just like an RPG, but maybe actual plays as well. And I've got two answers for this, just personal favorites. Uh, the the Dimension 20 series, Fantasy High, like their sort of long running recurring setting. I think that'd be perfect for an animated show. Like it's, you know, it's based in like a high school that takes all the D&D sort of like, like monsters and stuff and throws them into like a high school setting. I that And they do a really good job of like, Whereas I feel like the trailer for Vox Machina cannot find a good tone, a good tone. Fantasy High just from the get like has a perfect sort of balance of like the irreverent tone of like, obviously, this is silly. We are a bunch of like fantasy tropes in a high school setting. This is going to be tropey as hell. But they use it to tell like character focused, really serious and like emotional stories. And I think that would be a great fodder for uh, an animated show. Two, a personal favorite actual play of mine is Friends at the Table, which is uh, hosted, co-hosted by Austin Walker and a bunch of other wonderful folks. They play a lot of like really awesome games. They are currently using Heart uh, by Rowan Rickett Deckard for their Song Fiel season. That would be perfect for like a more esoteric sort of like uh, uh, like really weird and wild uh, animated show that can bring in just a bunch of different like uh, art styles from season to season to fit the style of game that they're playing. I think that'd be a wonderful and a sort of anthology animated series, which I I, lo- I love anthology animated series. We need more of those and not just like long running seasons. Mm, I've got three things to say, <laughs> which Heck will yeah. probably spin out into like entire <laughs> video essay. But firstly, one of the big reasons why I'm not a huge fan of this Critical Role animated series is because as far as I know, they are basically just following the plot of the original campaign one. Mm-hmm. And like, this is the problem I have with um, like live action versions of animated series and films is the fact that this thing already exists. Um wow in its form like like the like beauty and the beast is a great film partly because it's animated (laughs) making that into a live action film takes away those things that make the original good and i feel like an animated version of campaign one you're like removing the parts of what makes actual play its own enjoyable thing to watch uh so if they had done like something different or maybe with the same characters but a different story or an original thing then i'm like okay that's fine but because they're literally doing as far as i know an adaptation of the first campaign i'm like 
I, I'm just going to compare it to that and just be like, campaign one is just a better experience to watch than this series. So that's why I wouldn't say an actual play because that story already is there and it's like, I will just watch that. Whereas like a board game doesn't really have an existing story as much mm-hmm. or an RPG. So you're already having to pretty much create original content from that anyway. You just got a foundation to work from. The second thing I was going to say is, imagine a Baron Park animated series. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, where you would be like building a park, Mm. like for all following these characters in like a a bear park. I mean, I mean, isn't it kind of just Yogi Bear then? But but they're built. No, (laughs) you do it from the bear's perspective as it's built around them. No, no, because I would do it from the perspective of the. The care bear caretaker bear is care. on the front of the box. Nice. is lovely. Well, no, wait. Yeah, she's on the front of the box with the bear, and I love her. Mm. I know nothing about her, but I love her. <laughs> uh, and it would be like her and like all the different bears. And maybe she's the only one who could understand the bears. Uh, yeah, she, okay. She that's has... the twist. Like that's that. the yeah. twist. Part yeah. Dr. Doolittle. Um... I, I imagine it being like uh, We Free Bears. Which, which is a fun show on Cartoon Network. And then someone else already said my idea in the chat. Monster Hearts would be an amazing uh, yeah, animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, in yeah, that art uh, style, in the art style of the original role-playing game. That would be so cool. Uh, yeah. I'm, we're running a little short on time, so instead of questions this week, I'm going to just pull some from the chat, because actually there are a lot of people that had a lot of really great selections. Um, uh, JT could suggest Honey Heist, which is another bear-related oh, RPG. Free, free bears, it's very good. Um, yeah, that's essentially what it is, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, there's the suggestion of Set a Watch. Um, that would be so good. Make it really violent. Chris yeah, you Long could do that suggests... Castlevania style. Mm, yeah, uh, Chris Long has suggested D&D series, but the normal way people play D&D. Um, so I guess like more of a meta or. Oh yeah, no, I guess more of like a straight up fantasy kind of thing. Uh, they say kind of the TV equivalent to the Fells 5 comics, which I am not familiar with. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, uh, I will say Die, the, uh, speaking of Rowan Rook and Deckard, Die would be a good, and then you could do different animation styles for the different planes. Um, there were a few suggestions of wing, uh, Wingspan for board games, uh, which is, hmm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's got an amazing take. art style. Like, yeah, I mean, very realistic. How how you t- make a narrative of that? I don't. Maybe I I think maybe a short where you just have those birds animated in that style would be. Yeah, or like creature nice. comforts. Make it creature comforts, and uh, they will just complain about whatever's going on in the world at the moment. This kookaburra is. <laughs> I can't believe the price of milk down the shops today. Oh, can't you? Uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> Chase, do you know about Creature Comfort? Yes, I have been okay. shown Creature Comforts. Right. Saying, yeah. I wasn't sure because it, it's a bit of a old <laughs> it's, thing. It feels but... like a very British thing. <laughs> here's here's a load of animals <laughs> moaning. Um, Aaron would <laughs> suggest 10 Candles as an anthology series, kind of building on what you were saying, Chase. Oh, yeah, um, it's just like, are you afraid of the dark, but make it 10 candles yeah. as the, the sort of framing device? Uh, there were a couple of suggestions of Blood Bowl. Uh, eh, 2003 WRX suggests Blood on the Clock Tower reality show, um, presumably what? without That'd the actual cool. murder. Mm. Um, yeah, there's there's a lot of like fantastic suggestions. Um, so yeah, thank you all in the chat um, for your great suggestions. Uh, we also had a super chat from BP Phantom, who says, here's a bit towards me and Soundboard. Uh, Mean, can you do your blur noise, please? 
<laughs> thank you alls for everything you do thank you for supporting us and with yeah. that we have come to the end of this week's dice podcast thank you to everyone in the chat for your suggestions uh, again if you have any questions for next week's show we're running a little long this week uh, there was a lot to talk about um send them into podcast.dicebreaker.com or join us next week from 2 p.m gmt uh, where we'll be live once again with another dicebreaker podcast but until then thank you very much to chase carter for joining us our I'll say our texan reporter uh, mm -hmm. it's always good to have you with us Yeehaw. Uh, again Yeehaw. Go, and, go and check out chase's work um, that's what he particularly, says particularly the article about tabletop simulator if you want to be up to speed on that uh, and of course, Alex Meehan, thank you for being here. Bleh. Yeah, it's great. Now it's becoming <laughs> like a Dracula thing. Bleh. Bleh, bleh. Bleh. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm coming for you, Adam Sandler. His blood was off. Bleh. Uh, I can match <laughs> Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. But until then, enjoy your weekend. Stay safe out there. And until we meet again, have a lovely day. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.